What is going on, rock and rollers? What is going on, Richie Kearns? I've been I've been dying to have this conversation for a minute. Yeah, oh. me too, man. Like, um, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I really kind of wanted to have my say about what happened over over the last little while with the videos and stuff. So I really appreciate you giving me this platform. Oh, I love it, man. Those the uh, we got to have an official skid row aficionado in this situation, <laughs> man. And, uh, honestly, you're the only person outside myself that I know that loves this band and loves those, those albums and those, those years of skid row, the way that I do, where it's like, it's a deep dive. It's a, you know, we know all the tracks off the albums. We, you know, we read the lyrics, we read the gossip, we did all the stuff. Like we grew up listening to stuff. So it's, it's a pleasure to be able to sit down and just have this conversation. And if, if you don't mind, I mean, I would love to just know how you first got into skid row. I got into Skid Row back in 2007. Um, Dublin, say in the late 80s, early 90s, there was all these cliques. There was mods, rockers, goths, etc. It had whittled down to just uh, kind of normal people and rockers, you know? And I was looking for something, you know? I, I started out, uh, you know, as we said just before the recording, I started out being a Manson fan and getting into all the stuff that was out at the time. And then I found Poison. I wow. Found, yeah, I know, or right? was it open up and say all, or was it look what the cat dragged in or, or better yet, flesh and blood? Hits. It was, it was the greatest hits. I, oh, nice, I, went in, nice. I went into a shop called HMV and it was big, big music shop. And that's right. We had some HMVs here on the state side too. Yeah, I uh, I picked it up and I was like, wow, these guys look really out there. So I, I just picked it up. <laughs> and, you know, I'd gone from listening to Guns N' Roses and Slash of Snake Pit and I was, I was ready for it. Let's get into this. And I went down the rabbit hole after that looking for albums and stuff. And I, I picked up Youth Gone Wild. I was, I was going through music and I'd, I'd come across the track Youth Gone Wild and I was like, my God, someone's actually speaking about, you know, us as rockers. It was, it was a real rockers pride song to me, you know? And I started looking up on YouTube, getting into it, looking, looking up. It, it looks to me like you also, like, you don't just talk it, like you wear it on your arm too. That's what oh, it yeah. looks like to me, man. Oh, For everybody out there who uh, can't see this or can see it or have you not, he's definitely got that youth gone wild that we all saw in that video. We all wanted the tat. That's yeah. right. He's got it. <laughs> Super <laughs> cool, man. Super cool. Cheers. No, like it, it was this speech that Sebastian Bach gave about walking down Young Street or whatever street it was in uh, Canada, you know, just being one of us and somebody mm-hmm. coming up to him and giving him stick for what he looked like and what he represented and everything. And he was he was a guy saying, fuck you to that. And other genres of metal and stuff, they were talking about politics and obscure shit, but Skid Row and Poison and Crash Diet, one of the more recent glam bands that was. I remember band. Crash Diet. That's right. That's that's those uh, every- Stolen Hearts years where I think we played with them a couple times. You play with Crash Diet? Wow. I think so. <laughs> yeah, we played with a lot of people, man. <laughs> hey, those are those are fuzzy years for myself. Um, yeah. 
you know, like there's things people are like, hey, remember blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, no, I don't want I'm like, you remember? I, it's like sad. Like I'd have to be sat down, like how to play old Stoneheart songs. I'd have sit down with like josh Corey and be like all right well this song blah blah, blah. i know the basics it's g to a to blah, blah blah but anyway carry on man like tell me some more like we're talking about you know it's like a badge of honor and it's something that yeah. you're, you're carrying with you letting people know this is this is part of how i stand so that's really cool you know this this is more than just a fashion to people who are in rock and roll i mean this is how we look how we dress how we act i mean this is it's more than just a fashion or anything. It's a mindset. It's, it's a way of life for us. You, you know, that, you know, what I love personally about it is, um, I, you know, I don't know who said it, but I'm just going to steal it. I love just, just the phrase. It's, it's not about the technique. It's about the attitude. And, uh, when we're talking about rock and rollers, it's, uh, it's always, it's about like you're saying the vibe, the attitude. It's, that's really where we're at. It, it's a community, you know, it, it was for us. And to hear somebody talk about what we went through in, in songs and stuff like that, that's what really made me fall in love with the glam metal genre because I know it sounds crazy, but they were more real than Metallica or Megadeth singing about really obscure things to me. You know, here was, you know, Crash Diet singing right and everyone, they think they can hold us down forever, you know? And same, same with, you know, Youth Gone Wild. That, that was, that was our anthem. You know, uh, as soon as you say Youth Gone Wild, all, all I can hear in my mind is dun dun. dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, it's, it's such an awesome memory. I remember, uh, when we, uh, when we sold out the whiskey one night, I'm like, this is early on in stolen hearts. Like we, we yeah. came out for our encore and we did Youth Gone Wild and that place just went insane. Like, I mean, that was the track <laughs> to do that night. And it was just, it was crazy how like, people got when they heard that song. It's, it's cause it means more to us. You know, it's, it's for want of a better word, our national anthem, isn't it? When you think there about you it, the songs, I mean, it, it, for every kid who had to walk down a street being the only one of us and thinking nobody else related to us. And then you suddenly hear youth gone wild or writing everyone or Pretty Boy Floyd have some rock, great Rockers Pride songs, you know, Rock and Roll Outlaws and Only the Young Understand. All all of these things is, is really what made me fall in love with this genre, you know, because it, it's it's the most real. Yeah, you know? that is that is for sure. Definitely, people, man. people say a lot of things about the fashion and how we look and, you know, our genre is, you know, doesn't have any substance to it. it it has more substance than you think you know that's what i say to that there's there's definitely i mean i get when people when people have tried to say to me like you know style over substance and i'm like well why don't we broker it why don't we just compromise and meet 50 50 all right i mean look there, we're all coming from a spot where you know, ideally like, yeah, as an artist, you want to be prolific, like someone like David Bowie, like it's, yeah. you know, but guess what? Bowie paved the way for, you know, even I want to say Motley Crue, 
situations like that, you know, Bowie's such an influencer. I mean, even influencing Lady Gaga, I believe, uh, Axl Rose is a huge Bowie fan as well. So, I mean, we wouldn't have, I mean, some of these great artists without that, that do deliver the whole, you know, it's funny, man. I, I never, I have this aversion towards calling it glam because uh, I feel like people make fun of it. And when they say glam and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, it's, it's freaking awesome. It, uh, I'm a huge New York dolls fan. Like that starts off the whole, that whole kind of, if you will, glam movement. You know, when we get yeah. in the seventies, we're talking the dolls, we're talking Slade, we're talking sweet. I mean, that was all that, in my opinion, that's like, that is glam. And then once we get into the eighties, it's, it's more like hard rock with a visual aspect to it. You know, I, I would agree. I would agree. Um, in my head though, it's, it's, I, I just associate glam metal with eighties, two thousands, uh, that kind of stuff, you know, I guess that is the right terminology. It really is like, I guess, is. glam metal because glam it's a metal. harder rock than it was from the seventies. It's edgier. It's a, it pushes yeah. a little bit faster, a little bit more thump on it. Yeah, definitely. So let me yeah. ask you this, Richie, you know, what's, what's your opinion of Skid Row's first album? You know, I think it's a fantastic album. I think it's very all round, you know, it, it has the hard rock tunes. It also has the soft tunes that appeal to the mainstream market. And, you know, it's, it's stood the test of time. I think it's a fantastic album. I Tell think me your first impressions, like when, when you put, I don't know if it was a cassette, a CD on or how you first listened to it, like, and you just, they, uh, they opened up with big guns. Like what was like your first kind of like impression that moment? Well, uh, I had a few ciders on me at the time. I was, I was chugging a few drinks. I had this big stereo system in my old house. So, you know, CD was a CD job. Turn the volume up full probably at <laughs> morning or t- 10 at night, sorry. And yeah, cranked it, listened. I've, I've got the track listen here. Got pairs just to refresh the old memory banks. Yeah, Big Guns is great intro. Fucking fantastic intro. Um, I'm very mainstream though when it comes to the songs on this album. Like I, I love my, my favorite ones are You've Gone Wild, 18 and Life. And I remember you, you know. Oh wow. So that's that's how you mean by mainstream. I'm like at first I was yeah. like I was wondering like what he means, but okay, like those were the singles. Yeah. The, yeah, basically the, the videos that were promoted, the mainstream kind of stuff. The, yeah, that's a tough call, man. Um, I'm a huge fan. You know, I thought about this. My, I asked myself, like, what are the top three tracks off Skid Row? You know, and yeah. I was like, um, I can't help it, but <laughs> Youth Gone Wild. So that's like, I had to say it right away. And then it's like, you know, you don't want to like help it, but it's it's like, that is just to me, one of the best tracks on the album. Uh, after that song, like a uh, midnight tornado, it's very interesting. It's, it's different. It's dark. It's their it's their intro, um, back when they when they sang it live, isn't it? it that was really. I didn't know I, that. 
I think so. I think it was more midnight tornado sometimes. But um, yeah, when it comes to uh, what the best tracks are, um, Yukon Wild for sure, 18 and Life, and I Remember You in that order. They made a video for Peace of Me as well, didn't they? That was a pretty cool video. Years and years later, I finally saw that video. Like, I didn't know that existed until I was like doing something on YouTube and there, there I, I accidentally ran into it. And I was like, I was like, whoa. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, uh, in the same year, I think uh, this past year, where I recently saw the the video for Quicksand Jesus. When I was like, that was a video for this? I didn't know this. <laughs> oh. Videos yeah. are. Skid Row always, you know, kind of pushed push the mark as far as videos, I think. I think they did a fantastic job, especially when you look at, say, 18 and Life. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's beautifully shot. You know, the, the first scene with Sebastian back, the, the lights on him just make him more blonde. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really do. I mean, it's... I think it was more like what was difficult was to get a bad shot of Sebastian Bach at that, in that time period. Yeah. I mean, is there ever like a bad shot of him other than like when he's being like super offensive about something um, outside of that, like think about it. Like, is there ever a bad shot of, the, of, of, of like this, this kid that he was like, what, 19 at the time? Yeah. Well, Subhuman race errors when they, when they started to look a bit haggard and tired and stuff, but I, I can't blame them for that. But, um, that's a, that's a, uh, we're, we're going to have a whole uh, like podcast just dedicated to subhuman race. Oh, I'm still, oh, I'm still trying, man. I'm still trying. Like I, I'm, I'm yet keyword yet to get into the album and it's been really? how many years yeah i try I, on occasion i'll put it back on and i'll try i'll listen to the whole album and i you know it just has not happened yet but uh here's one for you i've uh, you know do you ever see the the documentary that was put out that time it was called oh say can you scream did you ever catch that i didn't catch that one um, I did watch the more recent one about uh, Tick Skin, though. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, oh, Say Can You Scream, is, is that's just a, a bunch of live videos put together, isn't it? It's kind of like little snippets, interviews, and then you've got live stuff going on. It was just something cool that they put out on VHS back in the day. I think uh, I, I, think I did uh, run through a bunch of them videos when I was researching for you know, the videos I was making. Um, obviously I, I knew quite a lot, but you, you know, when you're trying to make a video, you, you got to refresh the memory banks and make sure that you've, you've got everything because you know, the, the fans, you know, we're, we're passionate. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, I, tell me about it. Damn. When I made the second video, I, I left out a video when I was gone, when, uh, when, when I was talking about the videos of Slave to the Grind, I left one out by mistake. I left out wasted time. Sorry about my cat. <laughs> I left out wasted time just by pure accident. And then I, I got slated in the comments. So I had to fix that <laughs> third video, you know? I was like, fuck, how did, how did that even happen? You know, I was just, I felt like I was under pressure to kind of bang it out again. Just make sure. Remember, like, how did I miss Quicksand Jesus for like, what, 30 some years or 20 yeah. some years? Like, I didn't, I, I was like, huh, really? <laughs> You know? I mean, I thought I knew, I thought I knew it all. That's it. Like, um, you know, you, I think with documentaries, they're always about 90% right. That's very there's fair. Always, there's always going to be something missing. I mean, you can't, unless you know the band personally, you're not going to get everything 100% legit. You know, you can, all you can do is try. And the reason I kind of made them was because, you know, there was no behind the music made for, 
Skid Row. You remember that series behind the wow, music? Wow, I never thought about that. That would have been that would have made more sense seeing behind the music for Skid Row than what was what was it I saw behind the music for? And I was like, why why this band at this time? I think it was like, and don't get me wrong, I think No Doubt is cool and everything, but it was like yeah. 1999 or 2000, and it was like yeah. they were still they were still kind of fresh as opposed to someone like Skid Row, where it was like, what happened? Yeah, what happened to this band? Like they were. <laughs> international they were huge the closest thing we got was uh i married sebastian back and that that video gave us a kind of an insight to skid row but again i mean that it wasn't enough i and there wasn't is it is it ever enough like you said 90 percent, man is it like do we ever get the full 100 i mean i'm always left I'm at the point where I can't watch anything like GNR related at this point where I'm like, because I just know too much information on, on that band. Yeah. You know, this is like too much. Uh, Skid Row. I know a fair amount of information. Uh, obviously I've it's, I, 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 I ease my way into that sentence because yes, I didn't know they had that one video for Chris Angeles, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you learn along the way. Like, so true. When, when I was making the one for Shock and Messiah, I did it for the same reason. There was no behind the music on them, and there should have been because they're a really good band. They're very diverse, and they they did a lot of different types of music in that short space of time, and they deserve to be talked about. So that's why I did them. You know, for me, um, Shock and Messiah. They, I mean, it is to me, it is amazing going from the album Second Coming to Violent New Breed, the third album. Where I think I read an interview with Tim Skold and he said that he was listening to Janet Jackson and she was using synthesizers and stuff. And he was like, that's cool. Oh, like, wow. I want to do that. And that was part of the birth of the idea of, 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 of just completely changing the sound of Shock and Messiah. And oh my God, I wish they, I wish, I wish somebody would release whatever B sides or cuts tracks that didn't make it on that album because that to me is a, that's a classic. It's a cult classic. It came out before Nine Inch, Nine Inch Nails Broken. It is, yeah. to me, it is a definitive industrial album that does not, on the, on the side of industrial world and goth people and all this stuff, most of them don't know it. Exactly. And, I think, you know, they were the first ones doing that kind of music. They were groundbreaking. I think uh, I read somewhere that they called it megabyte metal because it was that new. It was on computers. And I was like, wow. Uh -huh. You remember what the whole ads were like for the internet back in the day? You're oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, you were led to believe the internet was this vast fucking cool, super cool, like thing where you're like flying through a vortex or some shit. You know? <laughs> so you're, you're giving me metal. visuals of a lawnmower man in virtual world. That's what you're giving me. Sliders. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah uh, i i have this theory that tim skull's first solo album is the offcuts to uh violent new breed because it sounds oh like, i reckon yeah. if you're ever That's looking right. for a continuation of violent new breed tim skull's first album would be be the way to go 
Absolutely. But hey, man, you know what? Like, I really have enjoyed, and I'm sorry that we're getting, you know, we're straying a bit from Skid Row. You know, I was oh, trying no. to keep it, but uh, man, well, he he released. Uh, I think it's called Anime or Anumi or something like that. Yeah. And that album was really good. That was a solo album he did. I liked that a lot. Yeah. I've got his um his most recent solo album, and that's that's pretty good too. The guy is just. He's, he's, I mean, I couldn't believe it when he was playing bass in OHGR and Ogre. And that was, uh, that was Nevik orgs from skinny puppies, other project. And like, there he was, he was playing bass in that. It's like, could you get any cooler? You, you worked with KMFDM, you worked with Manson. You, you gave us Shaka Messiah. You gave us, you reinvented Shaka Messiah with violent new breed. Like, I mean, and the guy doesn't age. You know, you look at his most recent videos and you're like, this guy must be in his like fifties now, but Jesus Christ, he still looks good. Looks great. No, it's no. neat. I would kill to look that good at that at that age, you know. That's great, man. He's uh right. I guess he's also a vampire like myself. Yeah. <laughs> 102. There you go. Wow. Hollywood vampires, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, let's 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 look at some like songs, man. What's what's your take on like track like Sweet Little Sister? Yeah. Um I love it. I love that song. I'm just going to get up my track listings here. Um, it, it, you know, my non-mainstream uh, favorites. Um, sorry, my cat is going crazy. <laughs> there you go. The, okay. Oh, man. That is... Janie. I named him Janie because I thought he was a girl. But oh. He has yeah. a willing. <laughs> I found him where I worked. He was under one of the... He was under one of the pallets. He was about that size. Oh, killing me, man. Kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do volunteer work for the Humane Society, so around cats and dogs and yeah, I'm a big softy for (laughs) for the animals. Unfortunately, anytime I do anything anything official, he just tends to just fucking Throw himself around the house. <laughs> well, you know, he's got to, yeah. he's got to let it be known. I'm Janie. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I kept the, I kept the name because I thought, you know, even though it, over here, it would probably be, you know, considered a girl's name, but I, I think it fits. It's my right uh, as soon as he said it to me, I was just like, Oh, Janie Lane weren't. That's, that's yeah. what I thought. So my favorites, well, snake shit, snake is good. And, uh, here I am. Here I am. Oh, here. man. What, hey, yeah. what did you think of? You ever listen to Dr. Feelgood, Molly Crew? Oh, yeah. Love that song. What, uh, what, I mean, on that album, they also they have their version of Rattlesnake Shake. It's, it's way poppier compared to, I, yeah. I prefer Skid Rose version. That to me is, is really where it's at. Yeah. Molly Crew's, uh, Dr. Feelgood album. That was their sober album, wasn't it? Yes, it was. That's when yeah. uh, they had the to. No fun for. <laughs> they had to get sober because basically people were going to be hauled off in body bags if they went on that European tour. That's what uh, I think Doc McGee is quoted as saying in the dirt. They basically had to say, "All right, you know what? We're not going to Europe. Molly Crew's not going to do that tour. Everybody's going into rehab." And then I think after that is when Nikki Six OD'd. Skid Skid Row were on that tour. The uh, 
the Dr. Feelgood tour. And Bach said in his book, you know, they, you, they wanted a party with them so bad, but because they were, you know, sober, <laughs> and <you> know, <laughs> it didn't work, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, it's, um, man, when you are, when you're, when you're trying to do something like that, I, I mean, and you're in the thick of something, a machine that big and like, where, how do you, if you're used to releasing the, the valve, the pressure valve like that, how, how do you just all of a sudden, you know what I mean? All the triggers are there. Yeah. You know? You're on the road, you're on tour. It's can't be. What did, what can't did you be. think? Of the What's that? You know, the movie, the dirt. Oh, for me, man, it was, um, it was just like, uh, how to say it? Like, you know, I've, uh, Motley Crue is my favorite band and I've been, you know, I fell in love with Motley Crue in 1989 upon seeing <laughs> Dr. Feelgood video. And, uh, it just was, it justified everything I've been saying for so many years and the amount of shit that I took in the, what, like 1998 to about 2003, 2004, where everybody made fun of me for listening to GNR for listening to the crew. And I was like, look, it hasn't changed, man. It was freaking awesome in 89. It's still freaking awesome. Like it's, it's like, this ain't going to stop. And now I'm happy that they're, you know what? Molly Cruz now considered a classic band. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say that they, that they're synonymous or parallel to Led Zeppelin. But when we think about classic bands, at least here on the state side, we'll talk about Led Zeppelin, we'll talk things like that. But now you've got classic here means skid row 18 in life. I remember you classic is girls 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 it's home sweet home unfortunately classic also means more of the recent bands too from the 2000s so we're getting into that age bracket man so for for me the dirt um i liked the film but it, they took way too long to make it they announced that back in the myspace era you know they, <laughs> MySpace. they did though. oh my god like, taking it back man taking it back we're, we're gonna, Cyber we're gonna, ghost town. Nobody wants to go into. <laughs> have, you, have you tried to load up my space? Jesus Christ. Yes. I have. I've gone there, man. And it's like, it's <laughs> funny because I'm at, I remember back in the day, like that was like the spot and, and that's, we yeah. were all in there and everybody used it. And then it was like, it was like, it felt like it was a flash. It was like four weeks and all of a sudden Facebook just cleared it. Like it was just done. And like fa- Facebook wasn't exactly better than myspace either it was just simpler you know there, there was so much more you could do in myspace uh, uh, customize them with html mm-hmm. that's right that's <laughs> how we learned to code back in those days no yeah i've completely forgotten but i used to know how to, i used to have a really kick-ass profile back in the day like you remember um, you'd have to like look up the codes and you'd have to type yeah. all that stuff in and oh, like wow. <laughs> yeah you'd have to see if it worked and all this cool stuff yeah. i remember I actually got an audition with a really cool band because they found, they found my MySpace and I had like a picture of their, their album on it. So they, they reached out to me over MySpace, like, Hey, why don't you come audition for us? You look cool. And I was like, all right, yeah, man, let's do it. That was a band that's, called the Bangkok five. found the, 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 the obscure bands as well, you know, through MySpace. That was kind of the rebirth and resurgence of, you know, this kind of music as well, I think. I think MySpace had a lot to do with it. 
That's um, so true. It, I mean, really is. And it also began the concept of like a um, different type of record label and yeah. different ways of, of getting the music out there. And, and do we, as bands, do we need the record label? Can we, can we, I mean, now it's, it's even, I love it, man. When, when I hear people talk about that, this day and age sucks for blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, you know what? The ability to, to be able to record and, and make product, make an abstract product like music inside of your room and to have such agency where you could do it at a rehearsal studio, or you could, I mean, if you found a quiet place, you could go and record there is just, it is awesome. I mean, I remember the days where we had to go to a studio and yeah. we would, I remember like, you know, even, even as late as stolen hearts and like what? Oh, five, even as late as that, I remember going to the studio with stolen hearts and yeah, it was really cool and everything, but man, like these days, anyone with a program like audacity can just download it and start. Chipping I think away. That's, I, and that's yeah. what I mean. I think that's freaking awesome. I think it's yeah. it, it, just, have that much control over the situation it's, it's like it's amazing to me you know and and now you can self-publish and figure out your own stuff and i mean at, at some point i wouldn't even i wouldn't know why somebody would want to be on a major really because i mean if you already know if you get to a spot where a major wants to sign you on that means that you have a good idea of how to market how to like do all your social media um you know, you already have a team. So a major is going to cut into your profits and the days of going diamond. I don't know if you're familiar with that reference, meaning like we look at something like, um, Michael Jackson's thriller. We right. look at Metallica's black album. Those are albums that sold 10 million plus, you know, and that's why that status is called diamond. There's oh, wow. uh, there's gold, there's, platinum and then there's diamond which those days nobody will none of us will touch anything like that because of the way that music is is gobbled up now you know i mean we we ingest music through streaming and now i presume because i'm i am a weird cusp between gen x and millennial uh because i was born in 79 so i'm i when you look it up, I'm not quite one or the other and I'm both. It's yeah. weird. But, um, I find that later generations, people born after me. And now when we look at Gen Z, it is in my, in my era, music was a privilege. It was something we went to a store. We had, yeah. we had saved up money or we were fucking really hot on our five finger discount. If you catch my drift <laughs> and, um, it is something that we really, we prided ourselves on because we collected tangible things and it was, it was a privilege. Now the situation of music is just viewed as like a right, meaning that like, of course I'll have it for free. Of course it'll be this of course. Yeah. I'll, like da, 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 da. there's not, there's not that same connection. Like understanding that when I purchase this, I am facilitating the ability for this artist to continue to give me something that gives me an ex- a very unique experience. That's yeah, what- like it, it's, it used to be that the tour promoted the album. Now it's the album promotes the tour. There you um, go. That's right. 
back in you know the thousands on MySpace, I feel like social media wasn't ruining us because if you remember on MySpace, if you wanted to follow somebody, you had to add them as a friend and they had to add you. So there was no power play of this person has a thousand followers, so you're going to follow them and not follow you and things like that, you know, and music and how we got to where we were was easier because of that. Now, I mean, channels like ours, like for, for mine, you know, to pure luck, I, I got uh, the views that I did on my videos and if, if you try any of the tricks that we did in the 2000s of self-promotion, they're not even tricks, self-promotion, like commenting, saying, hey, you want to follow me and messaging people and reaching out, that's considered spam now, you know? So it, how we promote ourselves and stuff now is, is much harder. And I think it's much harder for bands to climb the ladder, you know? How do you climb the ladder unless you're already connected to somebody at the top now, you know? You know, I can only speak from my, my personal experience. Yeah. And I don't know, it's, I don't know if it's right. <laughs> you know, uh, at this, at this juncture, any sort of project music project that I would do, I would want to fund it myself. Um, and that way, because that is a big part of what, how things are driven. It's the funding. It is part of the business plan. Um, when we're going to, are we going to hire an agency to put together like a social media platform for us? Are we going to, you know, are we going to do it? It's kind of like, are you going to take the time to get 20,000 followers on Instagram? Yeah. And also take the time to write, let's just say five, six songs and then record them. (laughs) You see what I mean? Like when you're being pulled in a lot of these directions, anytime that you're focusing one way, that's energy that could be spent somewhere else. So that's what I mean about like anybody who is able to do this and do this game, like, and get to these like strong tiers where they're on the tours and they're, they're actually making some money. It's like, wow. Like I applaud you. Like that is freaking awesome because as one man, I'm not sure I can, I can do all those things. And believe me, I, I try, (laughs) I try. We're all hustling in some way. I mean, I, I have an Instagram account that has thousands of followers. Like I have a a different account and I spent years building up that following, but because the way everything is now, I mean, it's useless. I could, I could throw up a post and it doesn't go anywhere. And I think bands do the same thing now. They, they promote themselves to the best of their abilities, but Oh no, it's considered spam now. So the girl with the OnlyFans uh, profile is going to get more views than you, even though you've more to offer, I think, you know, it's funny. So it's, you know, we're at this crossroads, Richie, to what you're saying, to what I'm saying. So it's really, a, it's, Sorry, it's uh-huh. is that Janie? Ah. <laughs> oh, Janie wants to be part of the conversation too. That's what's up, man. It'll just be my look that I'll be climbing the curtain behind me. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, man. So check this out. I didn't know this. Uh, I'm looking here on the track list for the first Skid Row album. And there's a writing credit to Matt Fallen. Please, in the comments, if I didn't say it right, let it be known. So he has a writing credit on Midnight Tornado. That might explain why that that track 
has such a different feel and vibe to it. Yeah. Have you heard the demos for? Oh, I heard. Yeah, I heard them. He'd be a good guy to get to interview, actually. We should try and track him down. He would, okay. Like, I don't know what happened with him, but it's like, come on, guys. If, 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 you know what? Like, why not just ask this guy to like sing in the band again? Yeah. Or I actually liked the way he sounded in some of those demos. And I get how, let's face it, like, Sebastian Bach is, is just an extremely strong vocalist. Like, there's yeah. just no other. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, but I will say this the 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 color of that that those demos like the voice the color of the voice it it seemed to fit yeah like, i liked it you know i'm not saying it was better or worse than sebastian bach i'm saying that like you know what i would pay i would i would actually happily pay to go see them with that singer as opposed to some of the other singers and i'm not trying to knock any of those other guys like those, those, they're all talented guys as well. It's just for some reason, something has not quite, quite, I don't know, synced up with me and the sound when they've had some of these other singers. Yeah. Um, I think the new, their newer singer as uh, EP is pretty good. I do. Um, I think he's the best singer of the bunch since Sebastian has, has come and gone, you know, He's got the look, he's got the range, and he is a fan of Skid Row, so he cares about their legacy. And I, I feel like Salinger didn't care so much. I felt really, can you, can you, you know, like when you say a statement like that, like, can, you know, like, how do you mean? Like when I was looking, when I was researching for my third video and looking through some of the interviews that Salinger did and stuff, he seemed very up himself. He seemed mm-hmm. like, I'm better than Sebastian, I'm better than anyone, and I'm the new guy, and that's it. He mm-hmm. just didn't see any respect for what you were stepping into, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, and like, you know, I love a band like Aerosmith. Imagine someone's trying to replace uh, Steven Tyler. Like, yeah. when, when, you're step, when you're stepping into such an iconic role like that, I mean, you have big shoes to fill. And I think being humble and appreciating what you're being a part of would have been better, you know? You know what yeah. you're describing, who it remind, who it makes me think of and reminds me of? Yeah. Let's uh, ACDC. So, you know, yeah. Bon Scott passes away and yeah. Brian Johnson comes in. And like he, when I've heard him in those early interviews, he was like that. He was humble yeah. and he was respectful and he was, he was also unsure. Yeah. Because he knew that this was like, they had spent that the past decade building this, this, you know, this thing called ACDC. And yeah. he knew, it was, I mean, I, at the time, nobody could have predicted that back in black was going to do what it did when they dropped it. Like that was huge. So I think he handled that very well. I, I really like, you know, for a long time, I was like, no, Bon Scott, only Bon Scott. And then it's like, I watched interviews with Brian Johnson and I was like, man, this guy's freaking cool. I'm an idiot, <laughs> you know? And then, um, yeah. let's face it, man. The, what is it? Black ice. That was, uh, that was like, a about, it's like a, I think that was released in 2015 or maybe earlier, but that's a yeah. great freaking album to me. That was like, like, and people are going to hate me for saying this, but to me, there's been back in black with Brian Johnson. There's been the razor's edge, which is freaking cool. But I really feel like black ice really solidified this thing where it just gave for me as a huge fan of ACDC, like, yes, this is the follow-up I've been waiting for. 
it's it's a sensitive subject for a lot of people you know i mean if if it was done incorrectly you you wouldn't be listening to acdc and i think that's what happened to skid row i mean everything that they went into doing with thick skin it just just didn't fit did it and you know i i poked a bit of fun at solinger maybe i shouldn't have in the third video i I was just trying to be light-hearted and stuff but uh i do regret it uh some of the things i said about him but uh, again that i wasn't untrue you know they they replaced an iconic singer with somebody who was subpar you know and uh that this is this is what we got you know skid row have made a lot of wrong decisions and maybe because i'm probably the first one to say it um, maybe that's why their their management stepped in and tried to silence me. You know, so we wow, all. Wow, that is that is you know what man that is. We're gonna have to do an episode just dedicated to that that situation as well, man. So we'll put that definitely in the notes. Let me uh, if I can ask you real quick. You know yeah. what's you know what's your opinion if I if I make this statement? You know to me skid row was the east coast response to what was on the west coast and that was guns and roses what i mean what do you think of something like that like a statement like that i think i have to think about the time that you know that took place i mean we didn't have the internet or anything like yeah that. yeah you know bands like guns and roses unless you were seeing them everywhere i mean they're toward the mouth isn't it so oh yeah maybe i i don't think skid row were like a response to guns and roses i don't think they went oh yeah they're doing that we have to do this i think these guys got in a band they wanted to be more like bon jovi they wanted to to make it big i don't think they were a response to guns and roses at all but um i i think they're a match made in heaven when they <laughs> <laughs> It's so crazy to hear something like Skid Row wanted to be like Bon Jovi. To me, I'm like Skid Row is just—it's so much edgier, and it's—it's, um, for lack of better words, here how here's how it's going to come out, guys. Yeah. Skid Row is just cooler. Okay, that's they it. are. <laughs> it's just like that. I just yeah. look. That's it. Yeah. Um. I I still think they're cool. To be honest with you, like I I st- despite everything. Um. I I still have a lot of respect for the the band and Sebastian. I think there's never going to be a reunion. There's never going to be one. But why why can't they make peace and co-headline together? You know why isn't anyone thought of that idea? Wow. You know? Here's here's something for you, Richie. Like, you know before this pandemic situation happened when Motley Crue said that they're, you know, coming back out and they had an announcement. Yeah. You know, I was like, you know, I think I was dreaming about it one night and I was like, man, yeah. I hope that announcement is that they somehow talk skid row into getting back together. And that's who they're going to go on tour with, you know, and, 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 and then I read, you know, it's like Def Leppard and, and, uh, yeah. Joan Jett. Hey, don't get me wrong. I love Joan Jett. Like I, yeah, Joan Jett is great, man. Um, it's just, I just, I felt, um, who knows? Maybe it's in their back pocket. Maybe, um, in the years to come, like, like the big announcement will be like, all right, we're going to hit the road with guns and roses. All right. We're going to hit the road with skid row. And obviously, you know, that at those points, if they were to hit the road with skid row, it's, it's not going to be, with any singer other than Sebastian Bach. Yeah. Yeah. 
like uh, I think unfortunately the longer these guys wait the the opportunity slips away for it to be good you know I mean you, you look at the the final tour the final tour with uh, Motley Crue and just Vince was not up to it <laughs> in the nicest way I can say that uh, oh, man. yeah man you know like I said, Motley Crue is my favorite band and yeah. I have to be honest. Um, I don't know what's going on with, uh, with Vince in those regards, because, you know, you have someone like Mick Mars, who's got a, con- a medical condition where the, the vertebrae in the back and his back are fusing together. So it's hard for him to move. He's a lot of pain, blah, blah. Yeah. He broke his, uh, pelvis bone. Like the guy looks like he's dead somehow. Is he missing a lick on the solo to Dr. Feelgood? No. (laughs) You know, we got Tommy who, who's got like a rotator cup on his shoulder, whatever, man, fucked up, ripped something. I mean, is he missing the beat? No, he's still got the swing. We got Nikki six. Who's literally died at one point. Is he missing a note on the bass? No. And then all of a sudden we're going to, you know, like at one point it was, and uh, it made me sad because I love, I love Mike so much, but I remember yeah. hearing people call Vince Neil the skipper because he would skip over so many songs or so many words in the songs. Like he just skip over them because he couldn't sing at all. And it's like, Oh man, it, it broke my heart, man. Because I think, um, you know, I think he's I, obviously Molly Cruz is so freaking badass. And when Vince Neil did, um, his solo album, um, he had a track. It was called uh, "You're Invited, But Your Friend Can't Come." That was a stellar track, man. That was that's his, his first album is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think when you get older, like LA Guns did with Phil Lewis, you know, it's obvious he's changed the way he sings a song. Uh-huh. And it, it makes it it makes it seem to the general public that he's still got you know, gas in the pipes, which he has, but he's obviously not 20 years old anymore, you know, but he's still, because of the way he's able to change how he sings these songs, they still sound amazing. And even the new album, the, the new, the past two new albums, I think in my opinion is, is some of their best work. Oh, wow. I just, wow. I, I think it's a crying shame that uh, Vince Neil didn't make an effort. Let's be real. He hasn't made an effort. That's what I'm saying. It's not that it's a lost cause. I feel that Vince Neil could, you know, like deliver. I really do. I just feel that, uh, at this point there's a lack of motivation for some reason to be like, like, let's look at someone like Steven Tyler, his, his vocal has gotten just like more and more beautiful, his voice over the years. Yes. Like if you listen to the first Aerosmith album, you would like, I, I enjoy, sending that to friends. Like I'll just like send them a record and they'll get it. They'll put it on the turntable and be like, Oh my God, this is Steven Tyler because he sings like really low. He's like, Oh, like it's different. Yeah. And then, you know, you fast forward into like 1988, 89 pump and what it takes and the other side and, um, Jenny's got a gun and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, it's just amazing stuff. I think another singer that also was aging really well in his voice was Scott Weiland. Oh yeah, Jesus. Lord rest, Lord rest his soul. Um, Dude, that first STP album, Core, he sings real low. He's like, I am, I am, I am. You know, it's like, I want to get...
then Jeremy Double Revolver. And here, yeah, part of it's the producing. It's really good production. But um, but Fuckman is is range. He's got like he's got these different voices and ways he can like do his voice. It's like Axel when he did Appetite. Man, he was he was just on point. Man. I see your sister in a Sunday dress. He had all those different voices. <laughs> What's that? Velvet Revolver was my first like real rock concert. Oh wow, that's a that's awesome, dude. Yeah, during during the first album tour. No, wow, wow. I could feel I could feel the space through the floor. I was like, before I went to that gig, I didn't understand bass. I was like, why is it even there? You know. <laughs> and then you know you, you feel it through the floor, and you feel it through. Your you're like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> you know? So true, um, man. I, I love Duff McKagan. He's probably my favorite rock star. I love his books. He's just love, so freaking cool. Who um, is he's one of my favorite artists and I love him for getting clean but there was just something about him when he was off his face wasn't there like you look at how he went on even on his first album there's just that drunken rock and roll swagger (laughs) Duff Duff McKagan just you know you know, Richie, that's the guy that inspired me to like, um, be able to go back to college school and, you know, yeah. graduate, you know, not just once, twice, uh, top tier of class and everything. Cause I saw him and I saw how eloquent he was with everything. And I was like, wow, like, yeah, this guy's been this dirty rocker, you know, he's done all this stuff, but yet you know what he's also his he's delivered in the world of academia i was like he, he just completely turned himself around like after that. Just total badass you know got into cycling <laughs> he also got into martial arts he studied yeah. with this benny, uh, uh with benny benny, benny the jet yeah yeah he's super he's cool and and the whole time man stayed humble as all and yeah. he bridged the gap that was going on in the GNR world with Slash and Axel. He bridged the gap. Yeah. You know? Um, hey, man, I'm still waiting for the, uh, what I would consider a real reunion. Uh, but I'm, yeah. I'm happy with um, the fact that they, they got on stage. I, I heard the new song called Absurd. Um, what did you think? I need to listen to it a couple more times. Uh, a couple of my friends already love it. I myself, I'm like, I'm not sure. Hey, you know what? I, I wasn't into Velvet Revolver when I first heard them. Yeah, I'm a huge. I like. I love. So sometimes when you get like, you know what? I like the way. I think it was like Bruce Lee talked of a story of martial arts where it's like there's a there's a teacher and there's a student and the student comes along and he wants to learn and so he's like the teacher pours a cup of tea for the student and then the student's like okay what do i do with this and he's like you need to you need to empty your cup of tea first before you can understand he's like what are you talking about and that's that whole concept like you go in with these preconceived notions like who guns and roses was to you during appetite during use your illusions and then you hear a song like absurd and you're like wait a minute that's not gonna you know what i mean yeah i i'm a huge fan as well of chinese democracy i i feel that that album if it was just called Axl Rose, yeah, would have been. I mean, it's a great album. It's it is a great album, man. When I turn it on and I play it for people, they're like, "Who is this?" And I'm like, "You're not gonna believe." It. And they go, "Whoa, that's really freaking cool." Um, 
I will say that that's kind of a, like a nice stepping stone or gap. But so I, I understand kind of where absurd is coming from in a way. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure about it yet. I need to hear it a couple more times. When you explain it to me like that, it does make sense. Automatically. I'm thinking appetite. (laughs) And I'm skipping over, uh, spaghetti incident and Chinese democracy. Oh, I love spaghetti incident. Man. I saved saved spaghetti incident for myself when I was 17. I big Guns N' Roses fan. I, I'd gotten Usual Illusion 1 and 2 on Appetite and I was like, right, I know there's another album. I'll save this for a few years and then when, I'm, when I want to listen to something fresh, this is what I'll get. So I got it and at first I wasn't too much into it but it grew on me. Like, oh I mean, man, their their cover of Hair of the Dog, Nazareth. Yeah, man, he's like they just that album is a rocker, and you know for a long time I I didn't listen to the album. It's funny, man. I so I'm an avid collector of records. I love records. Yeah, like I I collect. I love them, and I started collecting records in like what ninety two or something like that. And I remember being in a used music store and I found spaghetti incident on the floor and it was like $1. And I used to be like the, just the biggest little fucker, like to haggle with people. And so I remember going to the counter and I was like, I got, I got a quarter. I'll give you a quarter. And like <laughs> Glenn, the owner of the store is like, dude, get the fuck out. Like, come on, man. It's a freaking dollar. Just pay me the dollar for the record. And I was like, dude, it's on the floor. Nobody wants it. I was like, I'll give you 50 cents for it. Like I was such a little shithead about it. I remember haggling over it and like literally like putting down my dollar and being like, fine. And, um, here we are. We're 27 years the, later. Have you got the live, like a suicide record? I've seen that. No, I've, um, I never bought it back in the day. And, um, I regret because like now, like an official copy of that's like easily like 500. What a lot of money. I remember it. I went into a place called borderline records and I went and I looked at, you know, what all they had and up there was like live, like a suicide. I was like, I wonder what's on that. It was obviously just the GNR lies, uh, the other, the opposite end yeah. of it. But I mean, we're looking at mama Ken, we're looking at nice boys, yeah. move to the city, reckless life. I wondered if there was anything extra on it, you know, so, you know, because back in the day, I mean, we had the internet, but it wasn't like it was now. And you're thinking, is there any demos or anything that wasn't released? What's on, you know, back in the day, the one thing that was cool to have that was, was not as accessible. It was, it was an EP that was released in Japan. It was called live from the jungle. And it actually had a live version of shadow of your love, which was stellar like the version of shadow of your love that was recently released in the past like years that yeah. version to me is flat compared to that live version uh it also that. had what's that i've got that cd the hollywood rose cd right and it mm-hmm. has like a different uh it's got the original shadow of your love and then it's got like tracy gunn's mix of it, gilby clark's mix ah I think well, I uh, heard that once. All right. Yeah. And those, those were interesting takes too. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was interesting about the live from the jungle EP was that there was a live version of knocking on heaven's door with Steven Adler on the drums and the beat was done differently. And actually it was cooler than Matt Sorum's version of knocking on heaven's door. Are you a Matt Sorum or Steven Adler? Who's your favorite? 
Okay, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's. It's a little bit long winded. I'm sorry, Richie. Like I said, when we talk about GNR, for me, that's a it gets lengthy. <laughs> I love this. Uh, when we looking at something like this, look, I love Matt Storm's drumming on Contraband on yeah. Liberta. Like the guy is just he is growing into this beast of a drummer, right? Yeah. Now. Do I think that Matt Storm had the agency to do what he wanted to do or what he would have done when he was asked to go in and do the Use Your Illusion uh, albums? No, I do not think so. Because what I'm hearing there, it is it it almost sounds at times like it's a like it's a drum machine, like it's yeah. so just on the meter. Where I'm like. I mean, yes, he's definitely, he's on the meter on Contraband and uh, Libertad, but guess what? He's also really dynamic. He's really creative in the beats and it sounds like he's, I don't know if he grew into that or if he always had that. He also was a drummer for the cult. You know, he's played with oh. a lot of people. He's, he's, he's really good. He's more of the cult now. Like he's uh, on the, on the, you know. On the... So when we look uh, at someone like, let's look at it from having played in bands and, and understanding how these things affect one another. We look at appetite and we look at how, as a musician, how the guitars are, are really in the front. Steven Adler was a light hitter. He wasn't, that's why he was also called popcorn. He's the way he, it, it, oh, wow. that was what Axel called him because he was a light hitter. So all that worked really well with yeah. making those initial tracks now once they got matt sorum in the band matt sorum is a heavier hitter mm -hmm. and that was part of the difficulties that izzy stradlin had with matt sorum he never said that he was a bad drummer or anything it was just a different type of drumming or like the I way that he that. hit yeah and and from having played in bands myself i know what mm -hmm. that's like where you've got like somebody that's pounding the skins and you're like it's like wow and then but guess what that takes away sometimes from your guitar sound a little bit i definitely i definitely understand that from a rehearsal point of view like when you're in a rehearsal and you're trying to like get all your levels done and your adhd no case of a drummer's going doo -doo 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 -doo, you know it's, it's hard to kind of like focus on anything <laughs> yes so let's look at like a band like motley crew tommy yeah. lee's a heavy hitter but he's also he's this interesting combination of me he also has a lot of swing he has a lot of swing and it's almost like he's an updated John Bonham, if you will. And I know some yeah. people hate me for saying that, but he, he's got this swing that I think is awesome. I love it. I, I really do. So we have, we have a little bit more of a drum vibe or like it's more in the forefront. So guess what happens? The guitar of McMars kind of, you know what gets pulled back a little bit you know yeah and so, now i think that's part of where mick gets a bad um not the full credit that mick is due because to me mick mars is one of the most underrated guitarists of the 1980s era he's freaking awesome he never underplayed and he never overplayed he was always like he delivered exactly as it should be the solos everything he was tight in his rhythms he's, yeah I, I love mick's playing i really do I, I like mixed playing too. Just circling back to the, the GNR question, for me, um, I think a Use Your Illusion type reunion for me would have worked. And I'll tell you why. And so you would want Gilby Clark in there? I would love Gilby Clark in there. Wow. Um, the, thing, wow. the thing of it is, I know it's an unpopular opinion, 
But when have you ever really seen Izzy Stradlin talk or be a main character in Guns N' Roses other than photographs or whatever? He's, he's very background. And unfortunately, he's, for me, he's very forgettable, you know? Ouch. Um, I know, I know. Ouch. It's, it, it's <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, for, for me, because like Izzy Stradlin, you know, this is such a major contributor of the songwriting process. Oh yeah, for sure. Know, so <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like I love the first album. Of course. It's like, who doesn't? Automatically in my head, you know, <laughs> slash stuff, Axel, but you know, who, who gave us more attention? Gilby Clark and Matt Storm, I think, you know, they're, they're more memorable for me. And they're, they're, I, I feel they're a bit more superior to, um, Izzy and Steve. I do. Oh, wow. Wow. I wow. know it's unpopular. It's, it's <laughs> wow. But honestly, who would you rather have behind the skins? Would you rather have, Matt Sorum live, or would you rather have Steven Adler who, you know, he can drum, but I would honestly rather do it exactly as Matt Sorum recommended it, which is they both go on the tour. And when it's time to do that the appetite songs, like Steven comes out when it's time to do the usual yeah. songs, um, Matt Sorum comes out. And when there's, when there's certain tracks where they're not sure, like, uh, like back off bitch, uh, you could be mine. Those actually are really early and they were, rec- they were written oh. with Steven in the room. So Steven, there's, there's demos out there where he's playing drums on some of those things. So they're different, you know? So, I mean, certain things would, I mean, it could be like one night, Steven does those songs and one night Matt Storm does those songs. Now, as far as like Izzy or Gilby, I, here's where it gets weird. I'm going to have to decide with you only because, you know, Izzy Stratton has, has, in the past has had a track record of being inconsistent once he gets on the tours, meaning yeah. that he could be there halfway through the tour he could do the whole tour he he's a little bit um for lack of better word and anybody out there please correct me or however you want to state it um he might be a little bit moody once he gets on the road and um it's understandable i mean what what he was dealing with during the usual illusion tour i understand. I can't even imagine man i can't imagine the the, the pressure <laughs> if you're not and he was he was also trying to go sober here or he was sober yeah. and uh, i can't imagine what it's like sitting there where you know that there's all these thousands of fans getting angry and you're waiting to hit the stage and you're just bored and, and, and that's why I slash said that they would do so much drinking and, and all the stuff that they would do because they were like, well, dude, what do we do? We're just sitting here. So yeah. they start drinking. And cocaine and fucking, fucking uh, cherry vodka. Was it? it wasn't cherry vodka. I don't even remember, cherry man, vodka. but, uh, yeah. I will say this. I, I wanted to be like my heroes. And I, I remember in the days of stolen hearts where I would always like, it was like a thing to me. Like I have to be able to do it and, and to be able to get out there and no matter like what I've consumed or, or whatever I was on, like I had to go out there and, and play everything and do everything. And, um, so I, I applaud, you know, the, this, this, this group of musicians, it's like the shit is, I mean, yeah, it becomes second nature, but Holy fuck, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, it is a crying shame that, you know, when guns and roses did, kind of you know reunite um it's it's a crying shame that skid row didn't get their shit together with sebastian that was a really missed opportunity they could have went out on tour again with guns and roses and they could have had they still can they still can there's there's no hey man nobody's dead yet nobody's dead yet but 
as time goes on, the quality of, of these people's voices and their ability to play and perform is... is I mean, you're right, because let's look at Rob Fuso. Yeah. All right. Are we going to get Rob Fuso back uh, behind skins for Skid Row? Yeah. And what, I mean, what is that? Like, is he still actively playing the drums? Like, I don't know. I don't know anything about Rob Fuso. I think he started a marketing... Uh, like He was on one interview uh, with this baseball guy. And he, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he got into something completely different. Uh, I think what was. But he's actually the guy. I respect Robert Fuso. You know, you know, you're in this band, you're a musician, and he's like, you know what? Without without Sebastian Bach or Boz, how, I mean, I don't feel like I know him well enough to call him Boz, but you know, yeah. I want to. <laughs> but he's like, <laughs> you know, without this guy, I'm not feeling it. I'm out of this. You know, yeah. I I really respected him for that in that sense where it's like. I, I know what that feeling is like. I, you know, I've been in bands where, you know, there's going to be two people that are leaving and you're just like, well, you know what, without these, without these founding members, I like, I can't, like, I'm not, feel, I'm not feeling it, you know, and you're asked to like, keep doing it, but you're like, no, you know what, this has been a good ride, but, um, without these guys, I can't do it. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's the one guy who's also remained neutral, you know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's in Bastion's camp and he's also in Skid Row's camp, you know? Um, I gotta say, man, um, you know, it's, it's always such a burning question in my mind. Like is, is Rachel Bowen difficult or not difficult or what happens? Because, you know, anytime I start to see that there's, there's X amount of singers in the situation, it, yeah. it makes me wonder like what is going on. And I get it. Like, you know what, there's no way Sebastian Bach could have been easy, <laughs> easy to deal with. There's definitely been some things, interviews I've seen with Rachel Bowen. And it's like, you know, like what was it the thing with the t-shirt where, where they, she like told them specifically like hey man like i like honestly this is not a good idea don't go out there wearing this shirt what does he do he goes out there wearing the shirt you know um big I difference i think the narrative has been pushed that it's all sebastian's fault you know that's been pushed for years that he is the guy who is the unreasonable one but when you look at when you read through his book he's very reasonable about what happened he's very honest about how he was back in the day you know he says he wasn't easy whatever yeah he's willing he's willing to put it by but you know it's it's rachel Bolin and these guys who well is it really scotty hill i mean is it really um dave sabo or the snake or however like i'm not sure you know how, what his name how it goes um it's bear with Dave. me I, w I would say it's more dave the snake I, I mean this is just me speculating i, I don't um, really know the insides but I, I reckon it's dave the snake and rachel who are making majority of the situation or majority of the decisions of what happens with skid row moving forward you know well, of course i mean they're they're the decision makers you know because like, they're you know, i believe that they're the founding members like it's literally like they started it now yeah. But it's weird. I mean, I mean, is it like, is it, is, I mean, come on. Like Joe Perry got back with Errol Smith, Brad Whitford came back in like, like they, I mean, Steven Tyler could not have been easy either to, to have been to deal with, you know, back in the day, especially when he's on the drugs and everything like, and even after the drugs, like Steven Tyler, there you go. I think that's a good example of ADHD. And I mean that in the, the most beautiful way possible, okay. <laughs> meaning that like we have one of the most amazing artists of, of our time, in my opinion. Um, 
I think it's got to be a certain degree of jealousy. I mean, Sebastian is now their legacy, whether they like to believe it or not. And I think you're right. And as soon as you said that, Richie, I, I can see that front cover of yeah. the Rolling Stone where it's just Sebastian Bach on it. <laughs> and even, even promotional stuff. I mean, they're, one of their last gigs, to, you know, when they came to Dublin, they're using original songs of Skid Row. They're not using their new material, you know? I think I think they need to face facts. They've made a lot of bad decisions along the way. I think if moving forward, they've really got to consider what type of music they want to make moving forward. You know, do they want to keep doing their own thing? Do you mean that you don't like their rendition, punk rendition of I Remember You? Is that what God. it was? No, it's the whole <laughs> album. I mean, I understand doing something different, different, you know, but there's doing something different and then just doing it right. And I, yeah. I, really, I really feel like thick skin missed the mark. Um, the New York Dolls did something like that where they re, they they made a reggae version of a song called, I think it was Trash. And I remember hearing it going, why? Like, just, yeah. like, why? Just, just leave it alone. <laughs> There were there were trying to be too many things at once. I mean, you you listen to uh, what is it? Uh, I am alone in a bed we made. Uh, hold on, I've got the internet in front of me. <laughs> this, you know, it, there's another point. I mean, it's easily forgettable, isn't it? I mean, Skid uh, Row, Solander. I look it up. Like it's getting old. Oh, are you are you talking about like? I think it was like ghost. a country song. Yeah, Ghost. I mean, you close your eyes, you, you, you know, ask anyone who that is, they're going to say Creed. <laughs> oh, wow. So I'm not a Creed fan. And yeah. uh, that's a that's a big ouch. Like, I'm like, whoa, ouch. Oof. And um, like, that's what wow. it sounds like. It sounds like a Creed song. It sounds like Eddie Vedder joins Skid Row. It's it just it doesn't work i mean it's it would work if you weren't skid row you know if they, if they were touring under a different name i could accept that this is something different you know this is a new band like i mean velvet revolver had more members of guns and roses back in the day and they could have you know toured as guns and roses right but they didn't it was a new project this was velvet revolver you know and maybe that's what they should have done with this you know that is that is definitely like you know when i look at a situation as well even with uh, motley crew you know when motley crew was without vince neal i yeah. feel that if motley crew would have if motley crew would have renamed themselves at that time 1994 yeah. just said fuck it let's just call it with the year like 1994 and then release yeah. the album as just like an apostrophe in the 94. Yeah. I, I feel like that would have gone over very well because it was a completely different sound, different band. Um, it was That's many a- years. I didn't get into that album because I refused to listen to it because it didn't have Vince Neil. But once yeah. I heard it, I was like, holy shit, this is freaking awesome. Oh, it's fucking great. I mean, the Blink-182 did that. You know, when the, they, they split up for a while, they called themselves Plus 4-4. Four four. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I know it's more recent stuff, but... Uh, That's cool. You know, that would have been a good example of, of what you were saying. You know, call themselves something different and they still would have made it, you know. Um, yeah, because it's it's definitely polarizing for fans. I mean, 
So if you're going to take the moniker of Skid Row and yeah. you, you begin to polarize the, the original fan base, because let's face it, most of the time we are unwilling to empty our cup of tea for the new stuff, yeah. right? We want to hear part two to, to slave to the grind. We want to hear, you know, th- this kind of stuff. And um, when we start to hear a punk version, or I don't even know, is that, is that what it was for I Remember You? It was, it was something where it was, it was extremely oh, different. Shit. <laughs> yeah. It was extremely different. Like we, we don't yeah. want, we don't want to hear that. Um, no. It's, it just doesn't, that's what's weird, man. It's like, like when you're doing this stuff, like, do you not take, I mean, I've, I've never had the type of success that these guys have had. I don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. I mean, I don't know to think to myself, like, would I be thinking to myself like, Hey, well, the fan base, like, is this just going to sound like really bad to the fan base? And then I say, fuck, it, I don't care. I'm doing it. <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't know. I think maybe there was a lot of bad blood, you know, and want to do something drastically different. One to separate yourself from your past and two to fit in with what was mainstream at the time. Maybe those are the reasons. Um, I think the closest they came to sounding like they did was United World Rebellion. And I love them albums or they're not even albums, they're EPs, but I love them nonetheless. That's, that was hard hitting. That was, that was more close to, you know, if, if they had have released United World Rebellion, you know, before Tick Skin Revolutions per minute, I probably would have been a bit more on board than, you know, I, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It is, it's a weird scenario, man. I mean, yeah. not everybody can pull off what Van Halen pulled off. You know, yeah. we went from David Lee Roth to Sammy Hagar. Uh, not everybody... Oh, not everybody can do it and i yeah. think that's back to my point of you know do you care about the fans do you care about the legacy do you care about maintaining your authentic trademark sound you know i don't think skid row did i think they wanted to go in a different direction they wanted to reinvent themselves and they missed the mark and well you know what's crazy richie is that motley crew reinvented themselves if you will yeah. um you know that album saints of los angeles when you start looking at the liner notes you, you find that the guys from i guess that really went on to do 6 a.m with nikki six yeah. um james michael uh dj ashba those were songwriters meaning that they they came in and they started writing and and that's why yes it's a crew album and, and certain dy- dynamic sound yeah. You know, like you can tell like Tommy's beats, like the way they feel like Mars, like the crunch, um, you, you've got those elements, but you also have this thing where like, wow, this is not sound like the Motley crew that I knew, but I That's, will say this, I will say, sorry, <laughs> I will say this, man, there in 1999, Motley yeah. crew released the greatest hits package and there were two new tracks on it. Uh, bitter pill and enslaved. And they were produced by Bob Rock. And to me, I was like, holy shit, this is what Generation Swine should have sounded like. Yeah. This is, this is, the, I mean, those, even now, if we were to play those songs now, they still sound very different than, and those, and guess what? All the writing credits were just. The, the boys in the band they weren't yeah. there weren't any outside writers 
yeah. I think Skid Row needed to do allow some outside writers to come in and begin to like if they wanted to quote unquote broaden their horizons, then that would have been the first step. I mean that that Motley Crue an example of how to do it right in that regard. I mean, maybe they got it wrong on generations, generations. (laughs) But on Carnival of Sins uh, onwards, I think they did really well. That was, they had taken the time to develop their sounds and they kept the elements of what made them good eventually. (laughs) But, um, you know, with Skid Row, they seem like they're in such denial about where they are and where they should be at. I mean, you know, to such an extent that they'll go and take down videos like mine who, you know, because I'm saying something that they don't like, they're just telling their yes men to make it go away. And I think that's the problem. You know, they're, they're not willing to, you know, adapt and go, okay, maybe we should bring Sebastian back in, or maybe we should co-headline a tour with him or, you know, bury the hatchet. The fans would really like it and it would be good for us, but they're not going to do that. They're going to keep, unfortunately, I think they're going to keep making mistakes until, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where, you know, bands are struggling as it is, you know, and they've already gone from a stadium to playing a small room. You know, how much longer is it going to take before that small room only has like six people in it, you know? Uh, sadly, Richie, I think they've experienced something like that already. And, yeah. you know, that's what I I have hope in my heart that the, the, just the awesomeness of, of the power of someone like Nikki six, where, I just like, please, Nikki six, get that brilliant idea in your head that you're going to get them to, you know, collaborate with Sebastian Bach again and get them on a, a Motley Crue tour. And that is just the, the, the money. Oh my, I mean, who would not pay at least a hundred dollars? So you, if, I, if I told you tonight, you go see crew with skid row and your first question would be like, you mean with Sebastian? Bach? I mean, I said, yes. <laughs> would you not just, and I said, all right, man, it's going to be a hundred dollars. You'd be like, take my okay, money. Shut up and like, take my money. <laughs> you'd be, you'd be like, boom, you what? you know what? You would probably fly over here. Like if I were to tell you, like, look, it's only happening here in the United States. You'd be like, what city? I will be there. Absolutely. If, if it ever does happen in Atlanta, Georgia, do I have a, do I have a sofa to stay on? Yes. Yes. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Anytime you want to, you want to come, you know, everybody's always like, can we go to Tattletales? I'm like, yeah, we can go to Tattletales. Don't worry. I'll take you to the strips joint <laughs> that Molly crew talks about. <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia. Fucking hell. Yeah, man. <laughs> It's nice. called Tattletales. I was just Tattletales like what a month ago. Oh, rocking in a clinic. And I had to Tattletales. Yep. Sing it all the time, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, that's. Uh, I mean, I used to hang out at Seventh Vale. I used. To, I mean, I know that strip club too in LA. Like, we did all that stuff, man. You know, man, this this has been really fun. I, I really appreciate you having me on on for a chat and talking about music and stuff. It's, been really good i really like it definitely definitely we um i guess we're like wow i'm like pleasantly surprised it's like we've been on this thing for like about two hours more even more so before before we started recording too so wow well sir i will let you get back to Janie lane your cat (laughs) (laughs) and 
I guess we will, you know, we're going to have to do a part two. We didn't even talk about your documentary yeah. series and the depth that I want to ask some questions. We didn't even get into slave to the grind. I mean, look, people are going to want more. So this yeah. is how we, how we bait them into it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, man. It has been a, a pleasure. And I guess go get a beer, man. Go to the, uh, did they say pub over there? Or like, what do you, what do you oh, we, we call it? We call it the bar here. We, we call it the bar. On the, well, I call it the bar. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, we call it the pub over here as well. So I might wet my whistle. I need a shower. <laughs> um, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate this opportunity to come on and have my say about things and you know talk music. Oh, you're going to get more of your say in, in the next one we do, man, because there's more questions regarding the series. Yeah. Appreciate, appreciate that a lot, man. So yeah, thanks so much. All right, then, Richie, I want to just wish you an awesome day, man. And I look forward to when we're going to like get into that second one. Hell yeah, man. All right. Take care. All right. Signing off. Everybody hit those subscribes. You know what to do. You know who to love. This is your man, Richie Kearns. This is Law signing out. Enjoy.